where nobody knows your name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. I'm James. That's Troy. All right, I'm Troy. How are you doing, Troy? I'm good, mate. I'm very good. Always excited to come and speak about episodes of Cheers. Quickly becoming one of my favourites. This episode is episode 23 of season five. Norm's first hurrah. Hurrah! This episode aired on the 26th of March in 1987, three days before my birthday. It was directed by Thomas LaFaro, and it was written by Andy Cowan and David S. Williger. Interesting that it's directed by Thomas LaFaro, because most episodes directed by Jimmy B, James Burroughs. This is one of the non-James ones. Do you want to know what Thomas LaFaro's doing now? I know what he's doing. I'm a big fan of his recent work. Working on another bar-related sitcom, did you know? He's an exec producer of It's Always Sunny, keeping on brand with his alcohol amusement. That's it. Can't stay away from the bars. That's not me insinuating anything. Just for comedy purposes, that's his thing. So, the cold open... That kicks off with Woody explaining that he's lost $20. Carla says, say goodbye to that Andy Jackson. And Woody then waves goodbye to just a random guy leaving the bar who he believes is Andy Jackson. Carla's going, shut up about your money. Andy's leaving. Say goodbye to Andy. Don't be rude. (laughs) Cliff walks in and explains that he's just found $20 and offers to buy all of his friends a drink. And Carla says, well, what are you going to do with the other 19 bucks? It's funny because Cliff only has one friend. (laughs) Ah, Carla with her forked tongue and just straight in there. Woody then says it could be uh, his $20. And Cliff then says, well, how can you prove it's yours? What's the serial number on it? Oh, come on, man. Nobody knows serial numbers. L21886119B. That's amazing. How'd you do that? I memorized the serial numbers on all my currency. Why? For just such an occasion. Everyone's amazed that Woody's managed to do this. Often we've said that Woody comes across as almost a Mark Twain character. And the line he says after this is, I just hope I never get rich. Which takes us on to the main episode. Indeed. Diane says that they're going to have to decide where they're going for their honeymoon. Where do you want to go? Well, I don't know. Where, where, where do you want to go? I told you where I want to go. To bed. Well, it's our honeymoon. Of course we're going to bed. Oh, this is the level of jokes that I like. <laughs> Carla pulls him up about it and says she meant Tibet. She says that they'll be able to sleep with dogs there for the, the warmth and the big huskies, and it'll be really nice and, and wholesome. And Sam says... I didn't sleep with dogs when I was single, and I'm not about to start doing so now. Wow. (laughs) Oh, dear, oh, dear. Cut straight to it. Norm then comes into the bar looking very chipper because he's landed a new job at a top CPA firm in Boston. And Cliff says he hopes it lasts long enough for them to see him wear his other suit. The meta joke, that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
He says he has all the fancy bits to go with it, like the big desk and the secretary and the big view with like an open window and all of this sort of stuff. Diane asks, when are you due to start? And he looks at his watch and says, about three hours ago. But he's not there because he didn't want to come across as over-anxious. And Cliff says, well, there's no danger there. (laughs) Diane says there could have been a, a more thunderous applause for Norm's good news, apart from Woody, who gave a thunderous applause. But his applause was slightly delayed and went on longer than everyone else's because he started later and he just wanted to make sure that he was giving enough. So yes, Norm's left the bar and and Diane says, I think we could have been nicer. I think we've let him down here and we should have been a lot more kind of receptive to his good news. And she suggests going to his new office to surprise him with some gifts to make him feel better. Sam decides to stay at the bar and and run the place, um, whereas everyone else is, is more than happy to go and join in the festivities of congratulating him. They then turn up at the office where Norm works. Woody barrels his way out of the lift with a potted plant that's twice the size of him. (laughs) Massive tree. Got a name for that tree. Of course I do. Because you love tree pun names. Basically, in in the office I used to to work in, there were plants, office plants. I gave them all punny names. All of them. There, There was about 30 of them. All of them. You're like this one as well for Woody's tree. I call it Plantre the Giant. Plantre the Giant. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> i like that you've made it wrestling themed especially for me <laughs> that means a lot thanks mate then walk their way down the corridor kind of taking in the size admiring this big fancy building and carla goes to open the door to what she believes is norm's office and she gets an electric shock off the handle damn carpet shocks Carla gets the electric shock and then Diane starts talking about her first day and her new job that she had a while ago, to which Carla starts to get a bit bored and then starts kind of rubbing her feet on the floor to build up a bit of a static charge and then shocks her to stop her talking. And she says, can we get one of these for the bar? Island mix, that one. They go into the office and it's a closet. It is a closet. It's like Harry Potter's room under the stairs. It's tiny. They all struggle to fit in. And that's before Woody's walked in with the massive plant. Kafka-esque. If you've seen Brazil, the Terry Gilliam film, there's an office worker and uh, his office gets increasingly smaller as the company employs more people. (laughs) A kind of satire of that corporate state. Yes. This is very much along those lines in that case. They burst in and his room's tiny and he says, did you not think of calling ahead? And Carla says, yeah, but we couldn't find a phone booth until now. (laughs) (laughs) And Dr. Crane continues the pun-based banter uh, and says, has anybody ever seen Das Booth? Playing words over Das Boot because it's set in a submarine. Equally as confined. If not more. (laughs) Norm says he's lucky to have his own office. Most people have to share. A man then immediately walks in and announces that he's sharing an office with Norm. The villain of the piece. Tompkins. He's a bit of a git. You can imagine it in like the Dick Van Dyke show or something. Uh, Tompkins, I want this report by noon. (laughs) Why, I order. Carla then offers to be the new guy's secretary, but she can't do all of the basic stuff that a secretary does. And so he says, well, what can you do then? And she says, call me and you'll find out. And she drapes herself across the table seductively. Oh, Carla, 
Calm down, darling. There's not enough room in this office for that kind of stuff. <laughs> Those kind of shenanigans. <laughs> with your with your saucy ways. <laughs> Norm's supervisor then enters and says, you could learn a thing or two while stood next to the new guy. You could learn a thing or two off this guy. Norm thinks he's talking to the new guy, saying he could learn a thing or two off him. But it actually turns out that he's talking to Norm and that he could learn a new thing or two off the new guy. And he seems very deflated. The new guy, what did you say his name was again? Tompkins. Tompkins. Why I oughta. Says he has some season tickets for the Red Sox, to which the supervisor seems very excited. And asks him if he wants to do lunch. Norm mentions his business lunch. Norm mentions the supervisor's tie and compliments him on that, to which the supervisor says, yeah, my, uh, my wife got at me. And we're getting divorced. Should have got golf clubs. So uh, that's awkward. Should have got golf clubs. That's the reason for the divorce. (laughs) Man wanted golf clubs. (laughs) We then see a supply uh, delivery guy arrive to the office and bundles lots and lots and lots of supplies in there. As Norm's new office is apparently the supply room as well, uh, to which he doesn't believe initially, but when the piece of paper is handed over, can confirm that it is the right room on there, and that it is actually the stock cupboard as well, the supply room. Supplies, mother flipper. Supplies, mother. Mother. (laughs) PG podcast. (laughs) Diane says that Norm makes us sick because he doesn't try hard enough and he just sits around. This is kind of the moment where it it goes a little more somber and and she kind of opens up a little bit more about what her and the other people at the bar think about him and that they feel that he deserves better and he should be doing better and he should be achieving better. And she says that her and all of his friends care about him and they're tired of seeing him give up so easily all the time. All the while, the stock room is continuing to fill up with more and more boxes. And they're kind of having this quite heartfelt conversation whilst he's receiving more boxes and trying to find different places to stack them around. I mean, Diane's got a point, but also she's the one who's, you know, been leaving and returning to Cheers for the past five years while saying, I'm going to be a dancer. I'm going to be a poet. So, you know, rein it in. Yeah. And you've done none of those. <laughs> rein it in. <laughs> Pot kettle. <laughs> Diane continues to then give this inspiring speech to Norm and, you know, why he should be doing better and and how he should be doing better and and this and that and the other. He's then asked to sign for the boxes that have been delivered to this supply room. And Diane's telling him, you know, don't do this, don't do that, but you should be doing this, you should be doing that. And so he signs for the boxes. She tells him not to do it, thinking he's just kind of submitting to it. And then he does sign it. And he signs it under the surname of Springsteen. Diane says, you should be the boss. There you go. See? A big Brucey reference. Love that. You're a fan of the boss? Love the boss. He has a podcast with Barack Obama, which I haven't listened to yet. That is an unusual combination. It's a really, really odd combination, isn't it? But apparently it's very, very good. I would love to see Bruce Springsteen. Would absolutely love to see him live. Big, big fan of his music. Back at the bar, Sam says he's already made plans for their honeymoon. Diane seems very excited by this, uh, and she thinks it's going to be Niagara Falls. I'll tell you what it is, though. It's it's at the happiest place on earth. The happiest place on earth. (laughs) What I found funny here is that she thinks it's Niagara Falls, and Sam's reason for it not being Niagara Falls is that apparently it's a tourist trap, and instead he's booked to go to Disney World, which definitely, definitely isn't a tourist trap. (laughs) Tourists? None of them here. No, 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 no. Diane says that she wants to unravel the mysteries of Tibet and says that, you know, why would we want to go to Disneyland? We can't do that there. Sam says, no, there are mysteries to unravel at Disneyland. Like, why Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck 
have clothing that covers different parts of their body. Cliff then goes on to explain why that happens. Dr. Crane then goes on to ask why they've never seen Donald Duck fly despite him seeing him do karaoke. <laughs> Diane concedes that there are some mysteries to unravel in Disney World and says, fine, we'll go. <laughs> I've never been hungover at Disneyland. That's the way I'll start this anecdote. I've never been hungover at Disneyland. <laughs> but uh, this well-known comedian and uh, charity personality in the UK, Sir Lenny Henry, has been hungover at Disneyland. He said there's nothing worse than being hungover and seeing a giant mouse serve you an omelette. <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> I missed out on that experience last year. I was due to go to Disneyland and that, that could have become a reality. So I could have... I could have possibly commented on that. Maybe next time. I'll get back to you with it when I eventually get there. Norm comes back and says that he's taken Diane's advice and he's written down lots of ideas for the boss, but he's scared about putting his butt on the line. Carla says, well, how do you think the line feels? Kick a man when he's down. Oh, all right. <laughs> Kick it. <laughs> He's already feeling a bit deflated. He's, he's just found this little bit of confidence. He's just had this inspiring chat with Diane and he's picked himself up and he's, he's feels like he's doing the right thing. And Carla just swoops in there and just bats him right back down to earth. Yeah, well, Carla probably thinks Norm could do with a bit of deflating. Ah, <laughs> uh, bam! <laughs> So Diane suggests instead of writing to the supervisor and proposing his ideas that he should actually write to the board of directors because she's worried that the supervisor will just steal the idea for his own. Yeah, thief. Thief. Idea thief. Sam says that his dad told him in moments when he was nervous, when he was at school to think of the kids just stood there in their underwear to stop him from being nervous. And he said that was quite easy though, as he'd gotten with half of the girls there already. Oh, Sam, you dirty, dirty maverick. Anyway, I was uh, just describing how they make maple syrup by draining the sap from the trees when I happened to look down and notice how nicely Cindy Van Rippen had filled out. Mm. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, what happened next? Ah, uh, well, I, uh, I smiled at her and she smiled at me. And then after my little speech, we stole a few moments in the cloakroom. Oh, I mean, after they drained the sap from the tree. <laughs> I don't remember, Woody. Oh, great, Sam. Get us all revved up and then leave out the bed. <laughs> Diane offers to be Norm's secretary. He's not sure, however, but the rest of the, the, the barflies say, well, you can practice it in front of us instead. See how you get on. You might not need Diane. So he starts, he gets gathers his paperwork up and starts with, good morning, gentlemen. And Cliff says, what's good about it? Norm then just freezes, shuffles through his notes to try and find some way to come back to it. And then just walks over to Diane and says, so what time can you be there in the morning? Yeah, no, Cliff was a quick heckler there, wasn't he? That's next level heckling. So the next day, Diane and Norm are prepping for his presentation. His office colleague, Tonkins, is being dismissive and just kind of, pretty nasty about the fact that he's got this idea and he wants to present it. Diane leaves the room, I think, to go and get some coffee and Norm grabs one of the pastries that he's kind of bought in and prepared for this presentation and he leaves the room as well, which leaves Tompkins in there with Norm's proposal documents. Uh, he has a flick through them and decides, actually, I'm going to steal these for myself. And he goes in to present it instead. Thief. Thief. Diane and Norm then come back and the realisation is, is that Tompkins has stolen them. Diane says... You should go over there straight away, march over to the room, 
talk to them, go to the board of directors, tell them that he's thieved your idea. And uh, so they approach it. But just before they're about to step in, they overhear the conversation from some of those board members saying that there's a massive oversight within the proposal and there's a few key issues that hadn't been considered. And it's actually a really terrible proposal, which halts Norm from going in anymore. You've gone messed up, Tompkins. They all come out and just say, you know, his, his proposal was terrible. But one thing he does do is, is good pastries. That's enough. Love a pastry. We won't say their name in case they're listening, but there's someone from where I work who said in their job interview that they made the best brownies in the world and then refused to make them for three years. Can confirm it is a lie. Have not had said brownies. If you're listening, you know who you are. You know what you promised and you know you've lied. (laughs) You have an oven of lies. That's what you cook your brownies in. After that, Tompkins looks like he's got dust boot. It's a pun. Off he gone, you know, and Norm's like, oh, gee, that happened. He's like, but you know what, Diane, I'm glad. I'm glad I'm the on the bench warmer. And he goes on quite an impassioned speech. A few moments ago, I almost made the biggest mistake of my professional life, okay? And it was because I was doing something that just wasn't me. I am not a go-getter. I've never been a go-getter. What's more, I don't even want to be a go-getter. I'm very happy right where I am. And I'm tired of, of all these people saying, yeah, Peterson, you got to push, you got to get ahead, you got to make that goal. I don't even want to make the goal, Diane. I want to be a bench warmer, okay? The world needs bench warmers. I mean, if there were no bench warmers, what would we have? We'd have cold benches, a lot of cold benches, and the world does not need that, Diane. In this great pageantry of life, Norm Peterson may be a, a motionless lump, but he's a very damn good one. Norman, I've never seen you so impassioned. That's because I believe in this, Diane. Look, Norm Peterson is totally happy being an anonymous cog in the gigantic machinery of this firm. Very heartfelt. That sees out the episode of him giving that, which is quite nice. Diane kind of resigns to the fact that, okay. Let him be him, not have words with him. Yeah. She needs to calm down that one. Let's talk about the cast, though. <laughs> who makes who makes up the team at Norm's new workplace? Warren Tompkins, played by Tegan West. Made his film TV debut in Wonder Woman. He was also in Trapper John MD, Hill Street Blues, Law and Order, The X-Files, Chicago Hope, JAG. The West Wing, and many others. It's been in a fair whack. Neil Zevnik as supervisor. He also appeared in Galactica 1980, The Misadventures of Sheriff Lobo, BJ and the Bear, and The Nanny, among others. Some great titles in there. Also got Jeff Williams, who played the office uh, supply delivery guy. He's been in a fair whack of stuff, actually. Party of Five, Orange is the New Black, Bull, Ballers, American Odyssey, NCIS, The Mentalist, Desperate Housewives, The West Wing. Facts of Life, Remington Steel, Charles in Charge, Murder, She Wrote, Law and Order, The Sopranos, many others. Gets around. Does your boy Jeff. He does. Your boy Jeff. <laughs> we also have Ron Davis as board member. This is his film TV debut. He also appeared in A Time of Destiny, Rosamund Pilcher, and Mamochka, a Russian folktale. This is a board meeting. Who could be interrupting us now? Oh, it's the sound of trivia. I've got a few. I've got three for you. Why don't you kick us off then, Troy? I will kick you off. <laughs> How much money... Did Woody lose at the start of the episode in the cold open? $20. That is correct. Related to the money, what was the serial number on Woody's $20 bill? Oh, 
Come on. What? You don't, you, you don't remember serial numbers? You sh- surely you should remember them for just such an occasion. I haven't got a clue. <laughs> no points. Lima 21886119 Bravo. That's not oh. what Woody said, but, you know. No, he didn't go phonetic, did he? But... He didn't use a phonetic alphabet, but I am for your listeners at home to help you remember. <laughs> Outstanding. Where and what year did the first Disney theme park open? I'm going to guess just after World War Two, in order to boost economy. Uh, I'm going to say 47, Orlando, Florida. You are wrong on both counts. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> The first one actually opened up in California, and it opened on April the 1st, 1971. Oh, wow. That, I would have thought it would have been earlier. I thought it was earlier too, but yeah. Imagine the news going, Disney World is open, and people are going, don't believe you. April 1st? <laughs> April 1st? Ah, lies, mate. Pull in my hooter. Stop it. <laughs> you sit on a castle of lies. <laughs> What is the name of the company Norm's new job is at? Oh, I can't remember. Masters and Holly and Dixon. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I wouldn't have got that. I thought it might be something else, but definitely not that. (laughs) It's uh, it's actually sheets of money is what it's called. Sheets of money. Uh, Sheet load. (laughs) My final question, which mountain is situated in Tibet? Or rather, which famous mountain? Which famous mountain? As opposed to just like one of the random ones there. Like it's it's quite well known. Himalaya. <laughs> no, the, the correct answer was Everest. Everest. <laughs> I figured if I if I whispered it in a slightly creepy tone, you would have given me the point out of just, you know. Out of what? <laughs> Unease. Just half the point. (laughs) Oh, you know what that means? It's last orders. What should we have for a drink then? What should our special be? A special for this. Oh, I don't know. What about some nice pastries? Nom, nom, nom. I'd be happy with a pastry. Oh, a a Bakewell tart. What you call me? (laughs) You tart. uh, I I had a Bakewell tart cocktail some time ago, and I love Bakewell tarts as a pastry. So, yeah, I love one of those Bakewell tarts. Cocktails, please. With an actual Bakewell tart on the side as well, because I, I can't get enough of the taste. Marzipan goodness. Lovely. While we're enjoying those, if you want to be your own norm and embrace your full norm potential, then go on our Patreon where we have a special tier called The Norm, where you'll get early episodes, some little known facts in the form of a newsletter, and some bonus episodes, which I think is exciting. Is exciting. Exclusive access to bonus episodes. Love a bonus episode. So yeah, check that out. I think at the end of this episode, we can say that Norm is certainly the boss of this episode. He nailed it. Good job, George. Good job. He's his own boss. That's all that matters. Thank you for listening to Where Nobody Knows Your Name. 